Welcome back to Recorded Conversations, the podcast that's dedicated to compassionately considering all perspectives while engaging in authentic, connected dialogue. I'm Danielle Kingstrom. We are here we are honey this is our first podcast together in the new house babe it is people have been waiting for our podcast have they been waiting they have been um bullied into rushing into production by our son-in-law <laughs> yeah he likes our podcast he does but i've had a lot of requests wondering when you're on so you're on there we go there we go what are we gonna talk about tonight new house the transition maybe we can talk about that. We can talk about anything. There's so much to talk about. That's true. There is. There's so much to talk about. We haven't had a good long chat about what's going on outside our house in a long time either. So maybe we can talk about that. Exterior realities, otherwise known as what's going on in the government. Oh, yeah. We haven't done that. It's crazy. Let's talk about the transition. How's it been for you? I'm not settled in yet. Although I tell everybody, it's good. I'm settled. We love it. It's great. And I'm not lying. I'm projecting what I want to feel. Huh. Because, I'm getting there. Yeah, because I'm just, because our bedroom, and that's just a kerfuffle. Yeah, that whole bed. The bed is. We ordered this bed. In, in August, August. Like the beginning of August. And we still don't have it. We still don't have it. It's on a ship container somewhere. Sitting on one of the ports outside of the United States, waiting for our overlords to allow them the passage to deliver our goods. Basically. Until, I don't even know what, until we're all vaccinated, maybe. So that's been kind of a lingering annoyance. So, so do you want to know why it's an annoyance for me? So this kind of coincides with... What I ask my clients to do when I'm advising is having a sacred space or a temenos, as I learned it when I did that Heart and Mind book study, Alexander Shia's book. Do you remember that? Yep. So that was like really important. And so I remember like structuring my office to be a space where I could meditate and feel free. But I, I realize I have that right now. Like, I have a couple of spaces like that, 
where I actually have a sanctuary, but like the place I rest my head at night doesn't feel like my room, doesn't feel like my space. And so when I go to bed, I, I just don't feel relaxed. I don't feel comfortable. I don't feel like I'm in my space. And it's so dumb that I'm like making it about not having this one piece of furniture because then I say, well, that's why I can't do the rest of the room, which is kind of a logistical accuracy when it comes to setting up a bedroom. But I feel like I'm just finding excuses also to not make it my space. I mean, we have christened that space. We have. Several times. Yes. And so you would think it feels like home. But when I go to bed at night, I feel like I'm going into a hotel room or not my space. And I don't like it. So that's frustrating. And I I don't think it's about the bed. It might not be about the bed. I think it's just how we got here. It was unexpected. To this house? Yeah. To this city? Yeah. Yeah. It was unexpected and maybe to a certain extent we're not coming we haven't come to terms with that yet yeah like shell shock yeah like we had to hurry up and go through all of this trauma and then we were like okay now we gotta like put on this this front and like let everyone know we're good now but then i i don't even know if we fully processed it all yet like sometimes i think what, what were we talking about a few weeks ago we didn't grieve yes so we're like stuck in this spot where we haven't allowed ourselves to grieve mm-hmm. over a lot of things. Yes. And so I, yeah, I think I remember you pointing that out and that really sticking with me and I'm still wrestling with it. And I'm like, the fuck do I know about grief? And like, how, how am I supposed to do it? So there's that. Yeah. Yeah. Other than that, it's a beautiful house. It is. We we love this house. Mm. Kids love this house. I don't feel surveilled in this house. I don't feel... I stopped feeling like it was going to be taken from me. Yeah. Because for a while, like I told you, I felt like someone was going to just take all this away from me. Yeah. And so I dug into that, and that's because I just always have been told that I don't deserve certain things, and I just let that eat away at me, that repetitive affirmation that, I don't know, I think maybe we all utilize sometimes as an obstacle for ourselves, maybe when we're scared to, you know, like level up, like advance to the next level in life, Yeah. you know? And so what the reality is, is like moving into this house is a serious fucking commitment. Yeah. Right? We all know your commitment Like, issues. Right. <laughs> Seri- it's a 30-year commitment. Yeah. Right? Like I am committing for 30 years that this is my space. I'm not going to change my mind. I'm not going to flee from it. You know, I'm not going to burn it down. It's not going to be taken from me, but it could be taken from me if I don't take care of it. Stuff like that. But yeah. It's like this whole big commitment. And so I, Danielle Kingstrom, I have made a 30-year commitment. And that is scary. Yeah. Yeah. Because, like, I have never even promised you 30 years. No. 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 I don't even get We're halfway there. 30 minutes. We're over halfway to 30, though. We are. So there's that. 
You don't even get 30 minutes? Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> I'm going to give you like an hour probably in this podcast at no, least. I think I'm giving that to you. You're giving it to me, are you? <laughs> yeah. You usually are giving it to me, aren't you? <laughs> well, there's that. Can we just make just one kind of point of interest for the listeners and then this is our naked episode? Yes. We are naked. We are naked. Well, hold on. I'm in the process of making sure I'm fully naked because I am cloaked a little bit by satin. But here, now I am naked. You are naked. naked. Well, except for the purple leg warmers. Yes. The, but what your outfit is never complete It is not complete. Danielle is not complete without the leg warmers. They're pretty sexy leg warmers. But honestly, I just want to throw this out there that when we were talking about this, we were kind of joking about it earlier. I was joking. You were joking, so like I was serious about it. Like I thought, you know what? This is a really spontaneous, cute little thing that we can do. But how much of our stuff we do starts out as a joke? I think dating each other started out as a joke somehow. Yeah. Like we it starts out as me just messing around, being half serious. Yeah. You can stay with me. Yeah. I'll be there tomorrow, bitch. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> right? <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, that's so funny. <laughs> 16 years later, here we are, you know? Yes. And I've committed to staying with you for 30 years. Yeah. Signed my name on a that's dotted line. That's seriously funny, though. How I to halfway, just trying to be nice, not being real serious. You're, yeah, you we were just... We gotta tell this story. <laughs> Because it's funny to us, but it is so people funny. don't know. Okay, so, so people don't know. Yeah, go ahead, start. Uh, so, well, you start. You're better at telling stories. I am better I. at telling stories. So, yeah. So, what? We met in September. You're we met in September too. of 2005. And we fucked around for like a month. And then I moved. And I moved back to the cities. And I went to stay with my friend Sarah. But then I eventually ended up with Ian again. Because he had a DUI and he couldn't drive and I could and I didn't have a job and he did and I could take care of him and then I could live for a lower rent than what my friend was charging me. And I mean, because I had to pay his parents to live there. And then I could be there with my kids because I had sent the kids to live with him over the summer because I was losing my fucking mind trying to find myself and everything. And so anyway, went back to the cities, came back, what we hooked back up in January And I was telling you all my woes about living with Ian and how I had nowhere to go and my mom wouldn't help me. And I was just like, fucked. And I was like, fucked. I could have been living out of a car if I didn't live with Ian. Like, that was my other option. And so it was like, live with baby daddy and his parents and go through that hell or live in a car. So I did that. And we tried to make it work, but it didn't work. And then you... Like, I couldn't stop thinking about you while I was gone. So anyway, so we reconnect in January. And Ian was so pissed when I, I was like, I'm going to a hotel to see Corey and I'm staying the night. Don't wait up. And that was my declaration to him to like, this is over. Anyway, so I'm telling you my woes one night. I just can't stand living there. He's verbally abusive. He's emotionally abusive. This is hell for us. And you're like... Well, you could always stay with me if you need to. Like, it was a kind gesture. Yeah. You were just trying to be nice in the moment and be there for me. Yep. And then 
I showed up, what, like the fucking next day. Yes, you did. I had packed up my Explorer and my kids and everything I could fit in there. I didn't yep. even tell Ian I was you leaving. You didn't tell me. You called I me called on your you way. when I, and I said I was going to go to my mom's first. Yeah. Yeah. And I didn't even tell my mom. She was like, what the fuck are you doing? And I'm like, I'm going to go live in Olivia. So I'll be close. And she was like, with who? And I mean, my family was like, what the fuck are you doing? You don't even know this guy. And so what I show up and you're like, holy shit. I didn't really think you were going to come. Well, you called me. You gave me like a two hour heads up. Yeah. And so, and I was living on the farm with, at my dad's. Yeah, but your dad didn't live there. No, he didn't live there. But he worked there. But I'm like, so I had to break the news to him. Like, oh yeah, so someone and her kids are coming to live here with me. (laughs) I bet you can imagine that conversation. All right, can I just say God bless Roger at that time yeah, right. for being, like, kind of okay with it? Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, so then, yeah, so that's how our relationship started. <laughs> Basically, as a joke. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, because I wasn't even supposed to meet you the night that I did. I was supposed to meet someone else. Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. Oh my God, that's hilarious. So yeah, so here we are naked doing this episode, our return episode, our first episode from Woodlake. 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 Yes. Yes. And special announcement, I am the local bartender of many at Woody's. Woody's. In Woodlake. Which is a very popular bar for a town of 400 people. Oh my God. It's crazy busy. I like working there and I don't like working there. I don't like working there for philosophical and moral reasons. I do like working there because socialization. Yes. And yeah, just having new pieces of and reflections of God, like literally. Although I struggle really to see God in the bar. And I want to do like a whole thing on that at some point. I mean, you've joked around about doing a podcast at the bar. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? Like, I could set my microphone up and be like, hey, let's talk about something. I'm going to record you, and you're going to be on my podcast. And maybe I just have, like, a notebook of, like, different concepts or ideas that I could, like, throw at them. Right? Like, what happens when you die? Right? Like, where do you go when you die? Right? Or something like that. That would be fun. Yes. Or talk about like unconditional positive regard, right? Like throw some Carl Rogers at them, throw a little bit of psychology at them, you know, bring up different concepts, philosophical questions like what is beautiful? And then how, what a great demonstration of subjectivity it would be because everyone would give a different answer. It's true. That'd be cool. Anyway, so bartending is fun and bringing home cash is good for you because now... I'm your sugar mama, a little yes. bit. I'm a broke sugar mama, but I try. <laughs> <laughs> I have to use your money to, to to be your sugar mama, essentially. That's all good. It's all good. Baby. It's all good. It's a good life. Yes. It's a good life out here. 
Yeah. In all things wood. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. How's farm business been? Um, it's been all right. It uh, had a really good year. Cops did really well this year. Prices were good. And you had a really good year because why? Uh, I I did some trials this year that turned out not the way I thought they would, but it's good nonetheless. So I've been implementing cover crops and and doing no-till, which is supposed to be better for the environment, things like that. And, uh, which is markedly better for the environment. Yes. And has been produced in data to show that. Yeah. I did some additional trials and, and, and they really turned out well. Um, I was very happy with them and they actually produced, we had a very dry year this year and the things I implemented turned out to produce better yields. So I was very happy about that. And you kind of became the talk of the town. There, there were people asking me questions. There were a lot of people asking you questions. A lot of people kind of baffled by what you did. Because mm-hmm. a lot of people were like, what the fuck, dude? I, I, I've been known to be a little crazy. Radical? Like yeah. Jesus? Yeah, I... I mean, people wonder what I do. I do some goofy things, and they're like, why are you doing it? I don't know. So I'll learn something. You spend as much time researching, growing, and sustainment, and different, more uh, organic fertilization methods. Like, you put a lot of energy. You put the same amount of energy into that that I do, like... When I'm researching something, I'm going to talk about or write about. Yeah. Like, and I, it's really cool. Like, the amount of time that you put into this. Like, sometimes I envy you a little bit. Because I'm like, I'm not that passionate about one thing in particular. And you are. And you're so focused on it. And then I'm like, he's a fucking genius when it comes to this shit. So, I didn't tell you. I got a new trial I want to try in our... In- for us in our garden next year. What's that? So we're doing these raised beds, right? Yeah. And I want to take one of our raised beds and I want to see how many pounds of food we can produce out of one of those garden beds by doing, by implementing multiple crops in the same space. Okay. So you want to like, so your early spring stuff, and then plant seeds so that you're harvesting midsummer and then going into late summer. Yeah, just constantly be what harvesting. What is that called? Intercropping. Intercropping, thank you. So I want to do that and see how many pounds of food, like we'll have to get a scale and stuff, but see how many pounds of food we can produce on a 4 by 8 garden. Is that how big that one is that we have? I don't know, but I'll build a 4 by 8 or something like that. Some, some specific size. Yeah. And see how many pounds of, of, of produce we can produce in one of those gardens. You're going to make me be all meticulous and weigh all our food? Yes, out of that one specific garden. All right, well, that would actually be a really good science project for the kids. Or agricultural project, I should say. Because I want to... You know, us as farmers think that the only way to feed the world is the way we're doing things. 
and with lectin filled grains and i question that and yeah. so i want to take and incorporate see we're very monoculture in farming we either grow corn soybeans wheat sugar bees and just one crop but there's beginning to be more and more science that states that we need to be growing more than one that you need diversity that we need diversity in wow. these fields and you need diversity in dirt. We need diversity in fields. <laughs> the anime. <laughs> Sorry. What? <laughs> Plowing your field. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> you can edit that out. <laughs> Where's your mind at, baby? <laughs> We're naked. What do that's, you want? What do you oh, want? That's true. How are you talking with my boots sitting here, by the way? <laughs> so anyway, back to. That's the trial I want to do. And I want to do it with no additional commercial fertilizer, no pesticides, no herbicides. Still incorporate some cover crops and things like that to create as much diversity in this 4 by 8 garden as we possibly can and see how much we can grow. How, oh, that's, I love that idea. And then what foods do you think we should be growing? Like what... What do you wish, like, I want to know this, because I can already tell you, like, the foods that I would put as the most valuable. Like, what do you wish were more valuable foods that you would want to grow? So, I think if I was going to create a perfect, and and it's not without its flaws and and logistical problems. I want to intervene just a second and and add a little bit more. So, like, I want to know, like, what do you wish that we could grow that could really benefit everybody's diet it's not one thing i know so like give me a a few a few ideas that you have like what do you wish we valued more that would be healthy food like sweet potatoes no i diversity period i I, there's not well I i know but like my question is is like what if i i like your idea of diversifying but like what if we could move away from making sure that we have byproducts of the products that we produce and just deliver people whole foods. Do you know what I mean? Like, what you grow isn't delivering anyone directly a whole food. What you grow is broken down and split up, right? And so that doesn't benefit our bellies. So the way I I think... Farmers should have one sole purpose. Like a majority of the farmland should have. Let me let me, let me start from the beginning. Fruits and vegetables should not be grown on farms. They should be grown mostly in people's backyards, because you're gonna receive the freshest produce. You know where it comes from. It can be grown very organically, and it can be very nutrient dense. Yes, you run into problems with bigger cities. Okay, and people who live in apartments who are not capable of having a space. But then you have community gardens. But community you can do, greenhouses. You can do community gardens. You direct things like city that. funds and county funds into things like that. Yep. Yeah. So that's where I, first where I would start. Out here, we should be as farmers. We should be growing livestock. Mm. And and nutritious plants for the livestock. Yes. 
And it, they should be getting a diverse diet. Yeah. Um, the reason I say that is because of the transportation issue. Mm. Okay, when, when something leaves our farm, it should be in the densest mo- uh, form of nutrition possible. And in that scenario, all of the waste and byproduct from that livestock is left where it needs to be on the farm. Mm. And we send the most nutrient-dense foods to the people who need them. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the problem we run into with the way livestock are raised these days is we are transporting food, this food numerous times. In the instance of hogs and chickens, farmers grow the corn. It goes to a f- an elevator. Then it goes to a feed mill. Then it goes to the turkeys. Then the manure has to go somewhere else. The turkeys have to go somewhere else. Well, why not have a farming system where I grow all the food I need for my livestock right on that farm? And in a lot of instances, it would be grasses and native prairies, which is better for water quality. Mm-hmm. We're using less herbicides, less pesticides. And we the only thing that leaves the farm is that meat. Yeah, and what we should also do is this all needs to be done on a local level, like within local circumference. Like you shouldn't just have one farmer who has 50,000 cattle and is supplying Walmart. You know yeah. what I mean? Like what you are what you are producing should be given to the people that live in your state or your county and everyone should have all of these people in all of these different counties producing all of the food for the people in the county and and another thing is is then you can go see where your food is produced you know your farmer you know how your food is raised exactly and if you don't like the way one farmer does it there's another farmer just down the road you can go visit and we make it easier for butchers to get licensed so that they can create a new product and service to help distribute locally I think that's the one thing that COVID has really exploited is our... our uh, Entrepreneurship abilities? No. The, our, our our meat Our meat packing problem. Ooh. All of our meat is, is being processed in a very limited number of facilities. Yeah. And look what happened through COVID. It... We had to euthanize all those animals. Because we didn't have anywhere to go with them. If you had it at a more local level, we had more local butcher shops and things like that, you would have bigger, better opportunity. Yeah. So, and I know there's a couple of bills that have been introduced in, in Congress to make it easier for small butcher shops to get going and... Things like that. You know, that is the one thing that will always be in demand so long as people want protein is yeah. a butcher. Like, I I grew up on nursery rhymes predicated on a butcher, a baker, and a candle store, sh- candlestick, candlestick maker. maker. Like, these were people who took their skills and talents and helped provide for the community. So, I mean, now don't get me wrong. This, the way I presented it doesn't come without its flaws. Yeah. Um, but ideally I think, I I think that's a better system. 
Now, does that mean us in Minnesota are going to be eating bananas? No, but we have tons of native fruits that grow here that you can preserve Yeah, to and, get your fruit supply. And that's, here. I mean, so like, and I've been, I've been reading a lot. So I started watching a bunch of stuff from this guy named Dr. Landry. And, you know, he, he believes he has a route away from cancer. Right? He believes that we need to watch what we're eating and we need to... The, the number one focus that he talks about is all the sugar and the, and the fruit that we consume. And he's like, fruit's not bad for you. But it's like we used to only eat it seasonally when it was available to us locally. And we ate it at a certain time of the year when our bodies were doing things to prepare us for colder seasons and help insulate us. And now... We're creating that function all year round. And that's why we see obesity. Because your body wasn't designed to have that, that high sugar shit all year round. It, it, it's like your bodies go through cycles just like the seasons do. What? And so what we eat is also supposed to be seasonal. That's how we keep it diverse. So it's interesting. After you, you told us that at dinner or sometime today... You mentioned that to me and the kids and I started thinking about it isn't it interesting how you can store vegetables fresh a lot longer than you can store fruits yeah because of the fibers yeah it, it's the fibers so I mean you take your beets your cabbage you mm -hmm. know you store them in a root cellar they'll last you till spring yeah but you try to do that with apples and, you know, things like that. You have to preserve them. You have to preserve them, yeah, because that the fruits actually give off spoiling gases to the... if Like, I learned that by storing stuff together. Mm -hmm. They will give off gases and, like, actually start the decomp decomposition process for those, those root vegetables that you've put up for the winter. So, anyway... Yeah, we weren't supposed to eat, we weren't supposed to consume all of the foods that we do year round. That's the problem. Our diets are supposed to uh, be correlated to our season and what's available to us. Mm -hmm. And I mean, and that dates back to the Neolithic age. That's how we were. Like we ate what was available to us dependent upon the season. Now we have all access to everything and we are overeating and... We're eating the wrong nutrients at the wrong time of the year, and that's fucking with us. But another thing we did, we you and I have researched on is how many of the weeds that I spray for every oh, year yeah. are uh, highly nutritious for you. Oh my god, dandelion. Okay, so here's the funny thing, and I and I'm not directly quoting anything, and I'm not making any claims, but there's so much information that shows you. Okay, number one, that shows you the correlation between Monsanto and the pharmaceutical companies, right? Monsanto has convinced you that weeds need to be killed, right? And so what is the first thing they wanted you to start using it for? Your dandelions. Get rid of those icky, horrible, non-aesthetically pleasing weeds. But here's the fun fact about dandelion root. It has anti-cancer properties. It has, it has all of uh, antibacterial, antifungal, antioxidant properties from the blossom to the root. 
everything is beneficial, even the greens. And they want you to kill it. But here's the funny thing about Monsanto. Do you know how much stake they have in pharmaceutical companies who are producing the drugs that combat the problems that Monsanto creates? I mean, when you think about that, you think about all the plants they want you to eradicate, what, like lamb's quarters, even that creeping Charlie, all of that stuff is like super high in iron, vitamin B, vitamin D. You got antioxidants, you got antifungal properties, you got anti-cancer properties, and they want you to kill it. The one thing I always found interesting when we still had our cattle was whenever we put our cattle on a new patch of pasture, oh, when we were moving what them they always day, eat? The first thing they always ate was the dandelions. The dandelions. They and had alfalfa, clover. Clover. All of that stuff available to them. And the first thing they ate was the dandelions. Always the dandelions. What else did they like? They liked the uh, burdock. Yes, burdock. Burdock. And do, burdock root is another superfood. Really, though, the power is in the things that sit in the dirt the longest. The foods that you eat that are mostly in the dirt... Those are the ones that are the superfoods. The root vegetables. The root vegetables, tubers, fibers, root systems that are embedded because they have the densest amount of nutrients. They have all of the super magical nutrients and minerals that you need to stay healthy and alive and to heal yourself. And they're the same things that big, giant insecticide and pesticide corporations try and convince you to get rid of. It's crazy. Mm -hmm. Yeah, those cattle, they would run for burdock leaves Yeah, when we'd feed it to them. Yeah. They love that. Yeah. Yep, they were very selective. They ate their favorite first, and then they would slowly get to the stuff. They were like, eh, that's all I got. But they still needed that. They just... Yeah. They would... I mean, animals know what they need. Animals know what's best for them. Yeah. Like, you don't have to tell cattle and sheep not to eat rhubarb which is a thing that i always thought we had to do but they just knew they just knew not to eat it you don't have to tell animals what to avoid they actually just know i mean if you've ever like you should put a dog or a cat near a plant that's really smelly like say a citronella they don't want to fuck with it well good because it's poisonous to you Mm -hmm. right and so here's the other thing so who was talking about this michael Pollan, right he wrote the omnivores dilemma. omnivores dilemma but he also wrote um oh uh how to how to heal your mind i'm gonna have to cut into this with the correct title because it's important but he it talked about psychedelics how to change your mind how to change your mind and um he talked about like the reason plants started developing poisons and toxins was to protect themselves, not only from animals, but from people. And so there are certain plants out there that we want to avoid because they are deadly because those plants were like people, bad, protect myself against them. And in actuality, our plants are still continuing to evolve to become poisonous to us. And so there's a theory that says that, you know, some of the things that are becoming reactive to people that are produced in large quantities, 
could be a result of the plant evolving and creating a new poison and toxin to ward humans from consuming it. Mm-hmm. But um, big farm, big ag, they're not going to concede to anything like that because that would cut into their profits. So it's not like they really care about what we eat and I'm what it does to us. I'm not concerned with big egg and pig farm because the reality is, is I'm not going to stop them. They're going to do what they're going to do. That's true. So I don't even care. Yeah. You so. can only do what you can do. Exactly. What you can do. Exactly. Yeah. So I, yeah. So we have that information. So with that information, we can do better for ourselves. And that's really all anybody can do. Yeah. Is do better for yourself. You're never going to change anyone else. You can exactly. only do better for yourself. So, uh, yeah. So, anyway, so those are a couple of the. I like things. that idea of really. It's going like, to be monotonous. It and is tedious. Tedious, but. But. I want to know what we can do. Well, and that's good for the kids to learn, too. I like to tell them that, too. Like, sometimes we have to do tedious things that seem to be just like ugh, unbelievably like inconvenient because. At some point in our lives, we're going to have to do that without, like, any choice otherwise. So, let's figure it out how we can tolerate it, basically, and then develop resiliency to it. You know, the other thing I want, I, I question is, can, you know, we've got a pretty big yard. I mean, yeah. we, can, we can do a lot of raised beds, but is it plausible that we could produce, like... Even 50 to 60% of our fruit and vegetable needs for the year. I don't know. That that could be a stretch. Well, because the reality is, is what? We waste a lot of food. Yep. Daily. Yep. And so... If... Well, we started joking about going to the grocery store. Yes, we'll have stuff to throw away <laughs> yes. next week. <laughs> yes. God damn it. That sucks so bad, too. I don't know why I keep doing that. But, I mean, if I was only dependent on what I was growing, I would want to maximize the space that I have and grow as much as I can because I would rather produce too much from my garden than not enough in the event that maybe my access is limited to outside sources. The other thing I'd like to try is experiment with, and we talked about this, I think, when we were in Wilmer, was aquaponics. Yeah. I wouldn't mind trying to do some of those types of experiments again. Yeah. But, I mean, when we lived in Wilmer, we had, like, a worm bin and stuff. Yeah, that was fun. You know? Um, That was so fun, though. Like, just, like, first learning that worms poop. Like, that was so weird to me. Yeah. It's like, they poop. And then just watching what they did to our food scraps. I know. And they, like, when we lived in Wilmer, it was just the four of us. They, like, took care of most of them. Mm-hmm. This, this little... Maybe we need to get another worm worm bin system yeah. going. Yeah. I mean, since, like, our tumbler's not keeping up. Yeah. But we also need to stop wasting food. Yeah, that's a big, that's a big problem. But, we... I mean, that is a big problem. Food waste is a big problem for Americans. I didn't worry about it so much when we were on the farm because we had the chickens. Yeah. It was feeding the chickens. Yeah, so yeah, we could be like, oh, it's not really going to waste, it's going to... And the cats would go dig in there too, Mm -hmm. right? And probably birds and squirrels and raccoons. Yep. So we were feeding more people things. But yeah, now I just go, God, 
Like, every time I clean up the goddamn leftovers. And you know what? I saw a meme about it, too. Like, yes, I'm going to put these in Tupperware and put them in the fridge, even though I'm going to take them out in three days and throw them away. Like, yes, that is my life. You know, one of the things I think we need to focus more on is instead of consuming the leftovers, why do we make so much food? Yes, because our eyes are bigger than our stomachs. You know, we don't need to make so much food. The leftovers, I mean, we we don't need to make so much food. To, what we did a, tonight was awesome. Exactly. What we did tonight was awesome, and hat tip to you for that great idea. I Even though it. I never help plan. I am trying to <laughs> stay away from using never or always, okay? I'm trying to stay away from that kind of language. It's very accusatory and absolute, and I I avoid it. I And I lecture our daughter about it when she gets on her man. And I'm like, knock it off. Stop using absolute statements like always and never. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Yeah. I just need to make less food. You know, and some of that was because we had a family of well, seven. Well, because I'm now used we're... to cooking four. But, right, but I now I have to readjust to four. That's because you're I'm like, saying. I know, and I just haven't. In my brain, I'm still cooking for our five of us. Yeah. But you're not here most of the time, so, yeah. But I like what we did with that roast because now it's packaged up into You know, smaller... food prep is a good idea. It's, it's packaged up into smaller portions now, and if you need to make something real quick, it's there and available for you. Yeah. We need to just do more of that. Just prepping because, yeah, that would just alleviate so much stress for me. I don't know why I don't. I have all the fucking time in the world. But you're busy. You tell me that <laughs> all the time. <laughs> such a liar lately. I'm such a liar. I'm not that busy. <laughs> I'm not that busy. I am kind of busy, though. I mean, this is a big fucking house. Yeah, I am cleaning all the fucking time because I am a new Are you really, though? I really am cleaning a lot. I'm not... Look at this house. Is it not always clean? It is always clean. See, it's never messy. It doesn't get messy until after we have sex. (laughs) Then it gets messy. It's dirty. 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 We've been talking about farming the whole time, pretty much. I know. That's... Weird change. It's good. I mean, we need to diversify our discussions. I need to let you have some ideas. (laughs) (laughs) I have lots of ideas. I just don't get credit for them. Your ideas cost a lot, though. I just want to point that out as a matter of fact. What do you mean, my ideas? Your ideas are um, financially significant. Which idea? I don't know what idea. Well, whenever you do something different, you kind of have a go big, go home approach. You go all in. But I'm not judging it because you're really good about plotting it all out. It's like you know you're going to succeed. Well, I don't really have a choice. Well, you always have a choice. Yeah, I and there's going to be some more big changes coming. Yeah. Again. Yeah. But whatever. Stop doing that. Stop doing what? Stretching out naked. Stretching? Yes. (laughs) You like when I stretch. I do. You like watching me stretch? I do. 
Because I am so flexible. Yeah, you are. <laughs> I really am. <laughs> I'm working on that. My yoga, my yoga is paying off. Yeah, I suppose. Mm-hmm. It keeps me calm. Yeah. Mm. I haven't thrown a coffee cup in a long time. That's true. I've been so good. Even our fights here haven't been. Mm-mm. I have been very cautious of the energy that I create. When I find myself getting angry, like oh, like a few weeks ago when I we were yelling at each other right before, and I'm like, you just going to leave? Mm-hmm. I called you after you'd been gone. Like, I pulled you up on GPS. I'm like, he really fucking left? And I felt this anger coming, and I was like, no. I create my energy, and I am not creating this because... Also, like, I would have to go sage the whole house again then. And the kids don't like when I do that. But that's because they're demons. Um, but no, I've been very cautious of the energy that I create in this house. Like, and when it gets amplified with other people, like, you know, with our daughter or whomever, right? Like, I am just like, ooh, we're, ooh, yep, this is getting amped up. Nope, we're going to have to um, tone this shit down. And so, no. Well, all I'm saying is that I have noticed. Thank you for noticing that, that I am growing. You. I'm a big girl. <laughs> I'm growing up. I'm learning. But I just, I think, I mean, I've always told you, though, like, just talk to me. Because I'll, I'll, I'll listen. You know when I, you ask me to do something, I, like, pretty much drop what I'm doing and go do it. This is true. You do. You've been very patient with me, too. Here? Yeah. Well, that's good. It is good. Yeah. I appreciate you. Well, thank you. You're welcome. <laughs> <laughs> so what else do you want to talk about? I don't know. Do you want to talk about Biden? Okay. <laughs> I don't really fucking care, to be honest with you. Okay. I don't but if you got something we want to no, say, No, okay, ahead. so here's the thing. This is funny, because remember how I was telling you earlier how someone shouldn't operate in the construct that they don't believe in? Yes. Right? But here now I find myself, when I, like, hear about all this stuff going on, I respond to it differently than a good number of people. So do you. It's quite mm -hmm. clear to me when I look at any social media, Right? Not that social media is the end-all metric of humanity, but I listen to people talk, too. I am a bartender. So, I know something different about what I'm perceiving. And I can totally hear this shit. And I'm like, it's scripted. This is such bullshit. This isn't reality. This isn't even important. They want me to believe it's important. But I know it's not important because this has never affected me. Oh, and at some point it will. But, like, when is that point going to come? Because I've been told that since I was fucking 12. Like, I still don't feel affected. You wanted me to be affected by the Clinton scandal. It didn't really affect me. You wanted me to be affected by fucking Bush. It didn't affect me. 9-11. Okay, that affected some people, but it really didn't affect me. I don't know what the hell happened to the world after that. 
All I know is more and more information is revealed to me that tells me, just as I've always been told, you shouldn't trust the fucking government ever. It's the system. It's the power. It's the man. And forever I've been taught that you say, fuck the system, fuck the man. I've always rooted for the people that rebelled against the system in every movie that I've ever wanted to, like, feel a part of. And so I'm just baffled when I see people bow down like little bitches and take it up the fucking ass from this Biden bitch. Like, I don't get it, right? But, so I, like, want to pay attention so that I can see what kind of disconnect is taking place and maybe re-articulate it for people so they get a better picture of what kind of bullshit is being played before their eyes. So, that's that. So I know you don't give a shit, but a lot of people do. I try to avoid most of them. Because I just... You're right. On an everyday basis, most of that doesn't affect me. And so I try to focus on things that do affect me, like the people in this house. Oh, definitely. I know, right? Because I can find myself reading something and being a little jostled by it and like thinking about it, maybe even having an emotional response to it. But I do recenter myself and I'm like, look at me. Look at me right now. Look at where I'm at. Look at who I got. Look at what I'm doing. What am I mad about, really? What is really being taken from me in this moment? My time. Emotional energy. Right? Attention away from, like, what's actually in front of me. That's good. And it's all good. And, like, that is, that's real. That's real. I just wish everyone else knew that. Like, what's in front of them, those people right there, the things you can touch, that's real. And that's all that matters. But anyway, it's tough to really stay positioned and rooted in that belief while also seeing this bullshit go on. All this bullshit. I want to know why this motherfucker is still using the term Negro. Okay? That's what I want to know. That is deplorable and disgusting and this man is clearly not well not well and then you got camilla bitching about his gas farting all over the fucking place amidst royalty like he's got no goddamn respect or regard for fucking anybody and i'm like this is our reality you got these English bitches over here like, man, he was farting in my presence. Like, who the fuck you think he is? I mean, if you're farting in front of someone, doesn't that mean you're comfortable with them? I don't know. He's like, hey, Camilla, I'm comfy with you. Anyway, that's our reality. So I think at some, we should say something about it. And you just did. I did. I said a whole lot of something. Yes. To what end? I don't know. I don't know. But it was important to say, apparently. It was. All right. <laughs> what is beautiful, Corey? What, uh, what is what? beautiful to you? What does beautiful mean to you? What is beautiful? God, you can't 
Freaking throw philosophical topics at you like that yeah. while you're sitting there in your G string drinking your whiskey, pulling no, your you hair gotta, back, and revealing you, you that get, strong, broad chest ears. You have to give me this question ahead of time so I can ponder it. I don't, I, oh, I like don't watching you ponder a good way to articulate it right now. I gotta think about that. You're beautiful. Aw. <laughs> well, I mean, that works. Okay. So am I your metric? But we're not into comparison. Are no, we? Not really. And I think beauty is predicated on a comparison of something, isn't it? No. But it is subjective. Yes. Should it be objective? Should there be a standard? No. Then does it mean anything? Yes. But only to the individual who's having a subjective experience of beauty. Yes. Can you give meaning to something that isn't objective? Yes. How? Because... (laughs) (laughs) Because it's just a perspective. Okay. Okay, but then everybody's definition of beautiful differs. No. Doesn't Their it? perspective differs. So define beautiful. The perspective of appeal. Something like that. Interesting. One... Yeah, I don't know how. To, uh, again, I need to ponder over the correct words, but I think it's it, it's uh, one's perspective. So is that subjective though? It's not objective. I know that, but is it subjective? Well, isn't it if it's dependent upon your perspective? I guess it goes back to how you define beauty. Because if you define beauty in some way as to, say, incorporate one's perspective, if they find something or someone appealing, then no. Because by definition, it's a perspective. So a perspective can't be subjective because it is my truth. Okay, but your perspective is uniquely your own, which individuates it from everybody else's. So there is no common definition to what is beautiful if it's all dependent upon the individual perspective. What does Webster say Webster say beauty is? I don't know. My phone's right there. Let me look it up. Here, Google it. Okay, Googling. Okay, number one. A combination of qualities such as shape, color, form that pleases the aesthetic senses, especially the sight. Mm-hmm. Okay, so by that definition, it is defining it as one's perspective. So by including that is my perspective, this, yeah, this is a common, it doesn't say what is beautiful. 
it just says beauty is this. It's appealing to an individual person. So therefore, it is not subjective. Well, I still think it's subjective if it, it's the individual. But it's their truth. So therefore, it can't be subjective. Because it is appealing to that person. It's not a quality. It's whether, it's whether or not it's appealing mm. to that person. Mm. Are you appealing to me? I don't know. Am I? Yes. Therefore, you are beautiful. Okay. Is that how you define what is beautiful to you? Yeah. You just stick to the textbook? No, that's that's what I was trying to put words to before, oh. but I couldn't. I didn't. Okay, so this is these are two things I wrote down from this book that I'm writing, which is called Survival of the Prettiest, The Science of Beauty by Nancy Etkoff. Beauty is when a thing outward and objective transform itself or darts into a thing inward and subjective. We experience beauty not as a rational contemplation, but as a response to physical urgency. So those are just two ideas of what beauty is. Okay, so like the first one I read, I thought was really just kind of like a really poetic way to explain like what happens when you are confronted with beauty, right? How you register it, what it does to you. And then, so what it does to you is this response with physical urgency because it does physically overtake you, right? Like you'll gasp or you'll, whoa, or I mean, if it's, I don't know, maybe it makes you like aroused or hard, but like it physically takes a hold of you as well, right? Wouldn't you say? Keep going. I'm going to ponder that question for a minute. Okay, so another quote was from, that says, an encounter with beauty is solitary and spontaneous with an unknown other, as if an, the image of that person has passed into the soul. And that's when you recognize beauty, is like it touches your soul. I would question whether or not some of that is beauty, because... Yes, women or the person of the opposite, someone you're attracted to is beautiful. But so is the sunset. Yeah. And so I think it's slightly different. That's that's the part I'm pondering over what you, you said is I'm trying to incorporate. I mean, beauty, when I think of beauty, it's not towards necessarily an individual. Yeah, I agree. And so I'm not sure I fully agree with some of what they're saying. That it passes through your soul? Yeah. So like when you are in awe of a sunset or a sunrise, don't you feel it pass through your soul? I don't know. I feel I like that's, that's the place that it touches that makes me go, whoa, look at what that is. Or I go, wow, look at what God made for me to see. Or, whoa, like... This is just awesome. But I, okay, so I would question whether or not that is beauty or is that your contemplation about how it was created or 
Do you know, does that make sense? But it's striking and it's doing something to me inside. But is the beauty doing it or is it your thought of that beauty? Your Okay, you are getting very complex here, sir. Well, you're asking me complex questions. I guess. Well, I don't know. It's spontaneous manifestation of an overwhelming gratitude of the image that I'm seeing. Okay. Yeah. And that's felt internally and externally. Yeah. But I am a woman and I am more in touch with nature and what is beautiful. So I might have a leg up on you on that. It's my feminine divine superiority. Well, now you're appealing to snobbery. And I'm appealing to nipples right now. Do you see? Nipple, nipple, nipple. Okay. <laughs> you're funny. I know. I keep telling you that. Thank you for finally admitting Shit, it. I just admitted that. You just on admitted it? I got it air. recorded. No taking it back. I'm funny. Damn it. Yes, I am. I'm so funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you have that one. Thank you. Finally, I get one. I get something. How about I get a drink, bartender? All right. Nothing sexier than a bartender in a thong. Really? Yeah, baby. <laughs> <laughs> You're funny. I'll be flossing my teeth later, baby. <laughs> You're strange, too. And corny. And so corny. I'll think of another philosophical question while you're getting me a drink. I feel like you did not add more ice to my drink. There was no more ice to add. We emptied the ice maker again? Yes. Fuck. Well, we all did fill water before bed and everything. Okay, I've got something. Okay. So this is actually mm, serendipitous that I wrote this down and then we had this little business kerfuffle. Okay, so I wrote this down from something that I heard. So, triggers arise during a challenge to the self for personal accountability. Anywhere there is a suggestion that you're personally accountable for where you are in life, you are activated. And so, without personal accountability, nothing will change in your life. And that means you aren't in control of your life. Essentially, your result is your fault. So, that was kind of like the whole thing. But the thing that really stood out to me was whenever a trigger arises, it's during a challenge to the self for personal responsibility. Like for your part in that emotional trigger, right? Because often when we're triggered, it's their fault. Yep. You triggered me. Yep. And we're refusing to see how we're personally responsible for that being a trigger for us too. Yep. Like not only... Was the participation with the other person traumatic? Uh, maybe our, our emotional response in the past was traumatic to us. Like maybe to a point where we knew how we were reacting was wrong. And so I write this down and then we have this situation happen where we have to be involved in the farm. Yeah. In previous partnerships. And you were aware of activation. Yep. Taking place. Yep. And so now in lieu of this, are you 
realizing anything for yourself? Well, I've known that my family triggers me. I know what they do to me. And how I become. I try to avoid that. And I knew that I was going to have to. And I actually think I handled this one pretty well. Yeah. Um, it didn't get under my skin too much. It did not affect our sex session at all. No. No. And so I think I'm doing better. But, yeah, it, it, I, I know what it does to me. I'm very well aware of that. I know my part, I think, in some of that and why it triggers me. And so, yeah, it's something I still need to work on. What do you think it's activating for you? Things I wish I would have said. That you didn't. That I didn't. And now, that doesn't mean I'm going to say things the way you say them. No. Um, but I... <laughs> <laughs> no, that will get you a harassment order, honey. <laughs> but I do... There are things I wish I would say sometimes that I don't, and then I stew over it. And I think that's more of the trigger than anything. Yeah. You were... Um, these last few exchanges you've had with one of your ex-partners... I saw a side of you come out that I, like, don't think I've ever seen. And I was kind of like, ooh, damn. Look at him being all assertive and shit. And, like, because I often tell you, like, man, I just fucking go to my sisters and I'm like, fuck this, fuck you. This is what I think. But you're not like that with your family at all. No. You are seasoned and reasoned and... It irritates me sometimes because I'm like, sometimes you just need to get ghetto with them and fucking be like, you know what, you little cocksucker? But that just works for me. Doesn't (laughs) work. Well, (laughs) I've evolved past that ghetto reactivity and I even evolved past the self-righteous. I'm better than you because I'm, I'm, I mean, I was accused of that for a long time and in retrospect, I did act like that. So I'm not denying that, but, like, I I know I've evolved. I am to the point now where if someone tries to engage me whose energy I just don't want to fuck with, I just don't respond to them at all. I give them silence. I've actually been really proud of myself. I'm not going to lie. Because, I mean, I always want to have the last word. I always want to take a dig if I can. And, I mean, just, like, You know, just random people, too, that I was never really strongly connected to. You know, I've told you about some of them Tinder people that Mm -hmm. text me and shit. And I just, I'm just, I just delete the message. Yeah. It's just, I'm just done. So one thing I've noticed lately in interactions with my ex-business partners is that I still find them trying to say they're doing it better. Oh, the comparative narrative. The comparative narrative. Like, I'm doing it better. And the way you were doing it was horrible, whatever. And I just explain, I made decisions because I believed that was the right approach to take. In the direction that I believed the business needed to go. Yeah. Then they boast about what they're doing or whatever. And I'm like, okay. And I leave it at that. Yeah. 
Because the reality is, I don't wish ill will on them. I don't wish them to fail. Yeah. I don't want them to fail. Yeah. Because, I mean, I just, I don't. I, that's not who I am. Do I wish I could have made it work? Well, yeah, kind of. But I make mean, what work? I yeah, mean. Exactly. I mean, th- that, there's too many variabilities in and that. you can't be the only one trying to make everything work i mean exactly. other people have to try and make you know, it work and... so i hope that they have a better working business relationship than i had with them and if they do good for them yeah um that being said i'm going my own direction yeah i think it's because i think they really have that mentality and always have to re- repeat all that that bullshit because when you look at society, that's what we do with each other, right? Yeah. We brag to each other. We compare. We contrast. We compete. And it's all bullshit. Like, it's all so stupid. Yeah, it is. Over the last few years, even, I've just, like, I look at, I examine everything that I claim that I believe, and I make sure that the reason that I believe it or value it or hold it in high regard really has absolutely nothing to do with comparison or thinking it's better, right? When we get stuck in that mindset that we have to be better than something, it's, I feel like it's constantly telling me that I'm not enough as I am right now. And that doesn't mean that I'm not going to evolve and work on myself. But like, at some point, you have to stop seeking validation from others and you have to give it to yourself, and you have to be okay with saying, hey, look, I'm fucking, I'm awesome. Right now, I'm fucking awesome. And I can only get more awesome. But I don't need to be more awesome than someone else. Yep. And ev- uh, so many people suffer from that. I have to be better than this person. I have to be better than that person. And so many people put all of their shit on social media And then other people assume that that's some kind of metric or standard for how I'm supposed to be. And it's like, no, 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 we don't need to compare to anybody else. Because really, 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 you're not sleeping with these people. They don't live in your house. That doesn't matter. You know, another thing that really used to bug me, it does still, but to a lesser extent, is I was always accused that I was going to fail at what I do. And it used to get in my head and just mess with me. It still does, but not as bad now. Because, yeah, you know what? I might fail. But it's not going to be because I quit trying. You know? It's not... Fail means first attempt in learning. Yeah. So, yeah. if you're not failing, you're not learning. Yeah. Do you know, can I just cut in real quick and say that that sounds like a projection of someone just fearing taking a risk and trying something new? Well, no, I wouldn't say that, but fear of failing. Just their own fears of failing. Yeah. I mean, yes, I had a business fail. I feared that all the time. And you can't. You can't fear failing. You just can't. No, you should fail over and over and over and over and over and over and over again. Because I've never learned from my successes. No, you only learn from your failures. That's why we need suffering and pain. (laughs) 
I was going to go somewhere else with that until you interrupted me. I'm interrupting cow. Moo. Moo. <laughs> no, but like, I mean, that just sounds like a projection to me. So like, and we do that. I mean, everybody's guilty of that. When we lash out at other people, it's usually because we're afraid of that thing that we're lashing out against. Yep. I just really hope we're done. Like, we have a few loose ends to tie up. Yep. But I, like, really, I just... Next chapter. Yeah, and I'm looking forward to that. I'm I'm really looking forward to the ideas I've got moving forward. Yeah. And... You are going to revolutionize agriculture in the rural community, I my love. I highly doubt that, but I will definitely have You know why? You're leaving a mark with me, me, and so that's revolutionary, if you ask me. Okay. Okay? I'm just I'm saying. I'm going to get you farming, yeah. You're going to be in a tractor. I put my hands in dirt all the time. I love gardening. I love growing things. I, I adore my plants. I am good. <laughs> a gardener is a micro grower you're a macro grower so we're balanced i don't really ask you to garden a whole lot with me you don't need me to have you i gave you farm hands okay three diligent dutiful farm hands right here since the other two have moved away but they might move closer at some point and then there you go five five farm hands for you my love oh I'll get my nails dirty here at home. All right. We'll see. We'll see. I still might need some help next year. Okay. I may help you. Just saying. I may help you. Um, Someone was trying to offer you a job. And I said, what's it entail? Because they said they were looking for a truck driver. Yeah. And I said, oh, he doesn't have his own truck. Don't need one. And I was like, mm, does he got to go out of state? Nope. Mm, does he got to work crazy, stupid shifts? Nope, 10 hours. All right. What's it pay? 30 bucks an hour. And I was like, is that all? Well, and you have to help with the pigs. And I'm like, no fucking way. This dude's got 5,000 pigs. And I was <laughs> like, nope, mm-mm, nope. I'm like, the reason we're here is because of pigs. And I said, I love that we're here. No fucking way. Oh, well, then you don't want to work for this person. No, he don't. Mm-mm. Thank you for the offer, though. He's good. Yeah, I think I'm done with pigs. I'm glad. I'm glad. I am really actually glad we're off that because I hated listening to those poor hogs every fucking day of my life. Yeah. And knowing how unethical that was. I hated it. I hated it. I don't miss that. I do not miss hearing those zombie ass hogs. No. And I don't miss worrying about you being stampeded by them. (laughs) And eaten by them. Cannibalized before the eyes of a manager that would come by and do the inspections. This looks like a human bone. I've been missing my husband for four days. Or falling in a manure pit. I don't ever Why want are we you. Talking about I don't this? ever want you in another hog barn again. I don't really want to. Yeah. I'll drive truck. Yeah. Well, there is a truck driver shortage, don't you know? Yeah. Or so they say. 
they say? Is know. there? I don't know. Yeah, I think so. We're still short at work, so. Well, because they've changed a lot about the truck driving, about the CDL. Yeah. Because trucks are automatic now. Yeah, some are. The ones I drive are automatic. It's nice. I like it. So there's not really a truck driver shortage, though, like nationwide, that's holding up all of our Amazon packages, is there? Yeah. Really? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's a truck driver shortage. Any conspiratorial theories about why our our bed has not been delivered yet? Uh, I don't... I think there's... As far as the ports, I don't have an opinion. I, I'm not sure. I haven't researched it enough to have an opinion on that. I know there's claims of too much regulation and unions, but I, again, I don't know. Unions are striking. There's an alleged theory that there was some trade deals made with other foreign countries that violated policies with the United Nations and trade agreements with the United States, and therefore certain containers cannot be accepted and unloaded because they are in violation of this trade agreement. I have not heard any of that. Okay. Well, that was just from one TikTok video. <laughs> but I mean, I'm not saying that TikTok is, you know, by any means journalistic, investigated information. But there's a lot of speculation that this is just part of the game to, you know, create this hyperinflation and then combined with Biden's threats to shut down another pipeline, we could be facing some kind of crisis or resource conundrum in our country. And you don't seem at all concerned about it. But you want us both to turn into Glenn Beck this week and see what he's... Warning of the apocalypse. I am concerned about it. All right. Well, don't sit there all nonchalant. Like, none of this phases you. Well, I don't... I didn't know we were going that direction. We were talking about... We are going down the rabbit holes. Well, yeah. I think there's a lot of things to be concerned about. Numero uno? Um, Inflation. I mean, that's that's a big one. The price of going to the grocery store is a lot more now. Fuck. Tell me about it. I mean... What do we average? Like $400 every time we go? Yeah, and 200 of it goes into the compost bin. I know. What are we doing? <laughs> I mean, God, seriously. don't bring that up. I feel wretched already. Okay. I mean, the, the reality is, is that's where we got to start. Yeah. I can't do anything about the inflation, but I can do something about what we spend on groceries. But, and we should be a little bit honest, though. Like, most of us in this country have it really good right now where we can literally afford to waste food every week. Yeah. And so, when you think about the, you know, the impending threats that, you know, your daily lives are going to change and how you consume might change... To a degree, would that be a bad thing for us to have to restructure our lives so that we're not wasting so much? Because waste is a problem. Listen, I am fully prepared 
for having to be frugal. I'm just waiting for the rest of the house to get on board with that. Well, you know, there are skins to buy on the Fortnite. (laughs) Holy fuck. Can I just say, can I just say, is someone who mocked and judged those who spent money on Candy Crush and then became one of those people, to now funding the skin upgrades of my children's Fortnite accounts. I am embarrassed as a human being. I am embarrassed. Because I know damn well that is all bullshit. It is so dumb. It, it is so dumb. It is so dumb. What happened to unlocking levels and just earning new pieces of garments within the game because you advanced to the next level because you upped your skill? That's no longer good enough. No. And somehow your player isn't good enough unless you buy a new skin for it. And then you have to buy the new season. And now you have to buy the new weapons for the new season. How the fuck did we get sucked into that? I don't know. How did we? How did we? (laughs) Why do we not even think about this? I'm thinking about it now and I'm like, what if I... I'm going to have to sit down and have a real big philosophical talk with my children. (laughs) And I might create a spending anxiety for them. So I have to be really careful about this. I wouldn't recommend becoming a money Nazi because that doesn't work. I know from personal experience. No, that made me cheat on you. No, (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) Are you? Am I cheating on you? No. Are you just kidding? Oh. <laughs> well, I mean, since that was your where you went on that question, are you? <laughs> Is it cheating if you know about it? Well, I don't know about it, so. There's, there's no cheating and there's no extracurricular activities because <laughs> you would know if there was. I mean, you would know. <laughs> okay. I don't know. I think if it were up to me. One, I think we, uh, going back to the Dave Ramsey plan, might be a good idea. Well, we have been doing the whole cash thing a little bit more now since I've been bartending and I'm your sugar mama. Yes. And you're a lottery sugar mama. (laughs) (laughs) Because I know you'd be buying them. Yeah, I do buy like two a week. So $4 a week. God damn it, Corey. I know. Big spender. No, but I think we should, I mean, if it was up to me, I think we should be more frugal with our money. You know, I don't know if maybe we need to go back to talking. Our list? Well, yeah, the list, but maybe just talking before anybody spends money, we talk about it first. Yeah. So, like, I really liked when we did our list. Yeah. We would put down goals of what we wanted to purchase, what we needed to purchase for the house. We would put aside money and we would try and meet that goal. Yep. Yeah, and we've gotten so dependent on just charging shit. I don't like that. I, I don't have either. I've always fucking hated that. I know. And I always find a reason. I know. I know. But and I mean, I the have reality to just is, keep my mouth shut. like, I'm no joke though. Sometimes I buy shit and then I get mad at myself. And I mean, you know, retail regret is a thing. I'm not the only stay-at-home mom that suffers from this um, dysfunction. 
But I mean, just looking around my office here, what the fuck do I need to buy? I keep wondering what that myself. <laughs> but I mean, we are consumers. I we know. have turned into consumers. I know. And it's ridiculous. We are no longer preservationists. We are consumers. Mm-hmm. And we should go back to being conservationists. I know. Conservationist. Why does that word feel so funny right now? Anyway. Yeah. I, so all I'm saying is, I don't know. I think... Uh, okay, so this is so weird, right? And maybe... I think we've had a conversation about this before. Remember when we were like getting into prepping yep and it was almost like we wanted something to happen mm-hmm. we wanted to like test out our skills survival skills right yep. and like you know we'd watch all these like predictions and stuff yep, when we were yep. watching glenn back and everything yep, yep. and we were like well i mean would it be a bad thing if it happened you know an emp would that be a bad thing we're ready we're ready we'll take it we on we were nowhere ready. we were so not ready but we were like no, I remember, like, I remember at one point I was like, not until I get my bowl. Not until I get my bowl. Yeah. And then I got a bowl. But then it was like, not until I get my water pump. And then I never bought a water pump. I spent so much money after that, but I never bought a water pump. Like, why didn't I buy a water pump? Because you didn't care anymore. I think I didn't care anymore. I had moved on to my new hyperfixation. Yes. Which <laughs> cost me, I'm sure, a whole lot ADD. more money. Are my ADDs? Costs a lot of money. Yeah. It really. TikTok has shown me that, actually. <laughs> and I'm like, oh my God, all these little hobbies, they're just hyperfixations. Yep. I'm a freak. Anyway, so, anyway, like, you know, my grandparents grew up in the Great Depression, grew out of the Great Depression. And I think, God, that would have been fun to live through. What is? I really used to think that. I, I wanted to be Laura Ingalls Wilder. I wanted to live Little House on the Prairie. I've told you that before. No. I haven't? No. Yeah. Well, I mean, I kind of grew out of it. I mean, you can tell that because, like, you're like, should we go camping? And I'm like, fuck that. I have a bed. No. I don't want to go camping. I want to sleep in my bed. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to be in my house. I can't take all my books with that I don't read I, Right. Oh, I can't. Exactly. <laughs> I, I pulled out two books and I'm rereading them. Okay. There are plenty I haven't even read yet, but I'm rereading these ones. And I've already read them a few times. Okay. And this these two are new and, I, and I'm reading them. Okay. So there. <laughs> He's bullying me about my books. So... If you can relate, drop a comment, like really, and tell Corey to stop being a book bully. Bibliophiles unite. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) But no, really, like sometimes I think entire societies benefit from chaos, right? And just like nature... The weak falter and fade away, but the ones that remain, they are the they are, you know, survival of the fittest. And I think we want our evolutionary history to continue in that in that way, right? You don't want people manipulating by eugenics or vaccinations. You don't want people to 
be the ones having the power to do this. You want to let nature do what it does. And nature does do that to us. I think this is just a part of nature. So, you know, like if you think about all the climate change crisis threats that they throw at you, right? Like this will happen and this will happen. Maybe it does. So what, you got this volcano erupting right now and people are talking about how it could have catastrophic consequences for us over here. It could, it could, it could. And I'm like, well, maybe that wouldn't be such a bad thing, right? Because nature is going to protect nature, even at the expense of humans. And we can't control nature. So why do systems try and convince us that we can and that money's going to like somehow do it. Like I don't, let's just watch nature unfold and do our thing. The virus, it's kind of nature. I mean, manipulated nature, obviously, but still nature. It's doing what it's supposed to do. I know that seems morbid and crass and apathetic, but it's also really realistic. And the reality is, is, not that many more people died last year than the year before. Anyway, globally. So. Yeah. Anyway. Maybe I'm just numb to feeling. There's that, too. I don't too. know how we got there, really. We were talking I can about go finance. anywhere. <laughs> you opened the rabbit hole. No, I was talking about I finances. I opened the rabbit hole, and I went there. I'm drunk and stoned, okay? I'm just gonna go where I go. Just follow me. <laughs> yeah. Jesus said, follow me. Fun fact, you know this, I've told you, but maybe the audience doesn't know. Jesus lived during the age of the Pisces and it is said that Jesus was a Pisces. You look like Jesus and are a Pisces. I just... For the listeners, he looks like a really sexy Jesus if Jesus was white. Well, there you have it. There you have it. And with that, it's a wrap. All right. All Until right. next time. <laughs>